The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I'm Shane Hewitt sitting in for Jalen Nye. Thanks for sharing uh, the uh, the seat here. It's a privilege uh, to be hanging out with you today. Sometimes we see news stories and we kind of glaze over them because we don't know what they are. That happened to me this week. Ryan Jesperson uh, had a conversation, I think it was a couple of days ago, about um, uh, biosimilar drugs. And his conversation, I just go to the 630 Shed website and check it out. Check the podcast out. Because it's fantastic. It was in-depth, and it was all about sort of biosimilar, how it works, why it's important, why it matters, why it's so much cheaper. He did a fantastic job with it. But it wasn't until today that it occurred to me I had glazed over it. I don't know biosimilar something-somethings. I don't. But then when a friend of mine says, hey, will you do me a favor and fill out this form and reach out to your MLA because this affects me, well, now it's in my bubble. And so that's what how this started. And so I wanted to learn first uh, about uh, what is biosimilar, and then I'll introduce you to a friend of mine, Ryan, and the impact of these drugs and how it can change his life second. So we'll get into that. First, Dr. Remo Panaccioni. Uh, biosimilars, uh, Doc, what, exa- what are we talking about? What does this mean? So what we're really talking about is um, sort of this policy of biosimilars that affect our patients with inflammatory bowel disease. So just to give the audience some context, if they don't know, there's about 33,000 Albertans living uh, with inflammatory bowel disease, either Crohn's or colitis. In fact, we have one of the highest rates of uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis in the world. Um, sadly, if you know, we have a provincial flower, we have a provincial coat of arms, if we had a provincial disease, it would be inflammatory bowel disease. And these are really chronic, uh, as your friend can attest to, these are chronic diseases that sort of affect uh, the lives of those who have them and are chronic progressive diseases. So they lead to damage of the intestine, which leads to the symptoms that these patients experience, which leads to hospitalization. And ultimately, if we can't control them in a good fashion, uh, they lead to uh, surgery. And is this the, um, I'm going to ask you to try to move closer to yeah. the window there, Remo, because I'm losing you just a little bit, but I'll okay. ask you this question while you do that. The, um, the, is this the body, so these are the kind of situations the body's attacking itself and basically being doing its own damage to itself, and the biosimilar drugs are cheaper versions of the kinds of medications that these people would be on, but may not have the same results. Yeah, well, and that's that's not completely I mean, not completely accurate. You're right about sort of this attacking itself and causing the damage. So the drugs that we're talking about, the two things that we're talking about are really biologics, which are drugs that were introduced uh, 20 years ago, highly effective, transformed the way patients with these diseases lived, um, you know, got them out of hospital, got them back to work, uh, protective members of society, all of that. And my career spanned like the pre-biologic and the biologic era. It's like night and day. Biosimilars are, if you think, are very similar to generics, if you want to think about it. But generics are sort of the copies of a chemical structure. Biologics are proteins. They're made in living cells. So you can't make an exact copy of a biologic. So that's why it's similar, a biosimilar. Now, these biosimilars themselves are highly effective. Um, We actually use them in patients 
sort of who are what we call bio-naive if they haven't seen them, right? And we used them first line. We agreed with the government that they should be used there. The problem that we're talking about is when you're on, because it's, they're not exactly the same, is when you're on an originator biologic, and the one that we're talking about today is Remicade, and you want to switch somebody to the biosimilar. Remember, this is not like a generic. It's not exactly the same. And because of that, there are, in a small percentage of patients, but anywhere between 10 to 30%, depending on, you can do harm to that patient. So you're taking a stable patient who's doing well on a medication, and you're putting them on another medication that's similar for the reason of cost savings. And I think what we don't want to lose in the story and some of the stuff that's been going on in the media is, A, we're not saying these are bad drugs. They have their place. We're saying that there shouldn't be a switch in somebody who's stable to another drug. That switch should be really a decision between the patient and the physician. And that switch shouldn't happen if there's no cost savings. And I think that that's, you know, our three arguments are really show me that there's cost savings and, and there's this debate that um, there's cost savings. We have sort of the manufacturer of the originator molecule on record with CBC that they tried to negotiate uh, with the Alberta government to have the same price, so to give them the same cost savings. So cost savings should be out the window. Um, from a patient standpoint, the patient voice is we don't want to do this. From the physician, my professional association has looked at the evidence of this, and the evidence suggests that for every 11 patients that you switch, one patient will be harmed. So is it safe and to say when we look at the money of that, Remo, that... Um, this is an assumption, and I get it's an assumption, but I think it's a reasonable one, is that for that one patient out of 11, that 8 9% of those people, the costs associated to having somebody fall backwards into more trouble, be back in the hospital, be back into the doctor's office, be back into some other trial, be back into something else, could grossly outweigh the savings of the, the, the pharmaceuticals or the original medications anyway. Absolutely, and so you've really sort of uh, hit the nail on the head there is that you may save money, but if that number is 10% or 15% or 20%, there, some of that savings will be uh, offset by other things like hospitalization and surgeries, increased doctor visits, emergency visits. And so the cost effectiveness of the strategy needs to be looked at uh, as well. Dr. Remo Panaccioni, thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much uh, for giving us some insight as to what biosimilar is. Now, how does it affect us? Uh, coming up next, going to talk to uh, my buddy Ryan. We're going to find out um, what does life look like before and after. Crohn's, colitis, irritable bowel, um, rheumatoid arthritis. There are all kinds of conditions that these drugs uh, do help with. And, um, yeah, it's remarkable to think that all of a sudden that's not available for you. Shane Hewitt sitting in. Happy Friday. Here we are looking at another weekend, Grey Cup weekend this weekend. Uh no team, although a really good run <laughs> to try to get there at the end of the season. Should be a good game. Should be a good game. Should be a good party. If nothing else, it'll be a good party, that's for sure. Our conversation we were having about biosimilar drugs, uh, the doctor that we had on, again, Ryan Jesperson did a fantastic piece on this a couple of days ago in depth about the drugs. I wanted to introduce you to a friend of mine uh, named Ryan Jacobs. Um, this affects Ryan. Uh, Crohn's colitis 
And um, I remember, Ryan, when you, we would go out and, you know, dinner and drinks, a glass of wine or whatever, but picking through the menu, I mean, that was a task, trying to find things that worked for you that didn't cause you grief in your belly. And, and I realize that we're going to talk about some personal stuff here, so I appreciate you sharing it. But you really did struggle uh, with, you know, ordering food and drink and, and just some of the basic things of trying to be social in life, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, the issues that I have with, you know, whether it's alcohol or foods that I uh, I can eat is actually because I, I have a double whammy. It's not just the ulcerative colitis that, uh, you know, is what we're kind of talking about here, but it's also I'm a celiac, so. Yeah, so it gets you a couple times over. The, yeah. the, uh, the story that you had put out on Facebook was exactly about this. It was about the drugs. It was about, um, you know, the biosimilars and the, the potential that it could... Uh, force switch you um and maybe an unknown impact maybe nothing but it could do that so tell me what life was like 10 years ago before you uh, got the help that you needed to where you are today so um my original diagnosis i want to say came around 2007 uh and what had been happening uh, at that time was that i had basically been you know i was starting i'd lost a ton of weight i mean i think i was down to somewhere between 125 130 pounds um you know i'm not a big guy but i'm tall enough that that's you know looks pretty skinny <laughs> um and I was going to the bathroom, uh, you know, between 15 and 20 times a day with uh, incredible amounts of urgency. I mean, sometimes five feet away from the toilet was too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I go to the bathroom, uh, you know, I apologize for the slight TMI for everyone that's listening, but, you know, it looked like I had had a massive nosebleed into the bowl. Mm-hmm. There was tons of bright red, fresh blood. Um, and you know, I was exhausted all the time, probably due in part to the blood loss. Um, I could barely go anywhere. I mean, I've been the guy on the C train that has soiled his pants. Uh, I used to keep a pair of spare underwear and a plastic bag in my desk drawer at work. Um, when I was, you know, I worked in a, an office building downtown and, and I unfortunately, and as luck would have it, my desk was exactly halfway around the building from the men's washroom. Um, so when like the second that i felt you know even the slightest hint that i might have to go to the bathroom i had to drop the phone or drop what i was doing and run and like i said half the time it wasn't it was i was too far so ryan what does it look like today so i've been on remicade now for uh about five years a little more than five years um and uh, i've been pretty much stable on the drugs since then um before that i had gone through a variety of drugs um you know you start off with the uh, asa usually and uh, there was always some steroid use involved in that as well uh, so these are obviously the steroids like um prednisone that are taken to you know reduce inflammation and stuff like that and and curb these flares it's a common it's a common way that it's it's treated um but that's not a pleasant experience either uh none of these helped held me in any kind of remission i advanced through prednisone sorry i advanced through a variety of different kind of asa products including suppositories um to an immunosuppressant, um, uh, the drug name is azathioprine. There's a there's a, um, an actual brand name that goes with it, but the the drug name is azathioprine, um, which, by the way, uh, is I believe also used for um, chemotherapy in higher doses. Um, and then it, none of that held me in remission, and so I went on to Remicade, and and for about five years I've been stable, and I mean basically I've got my life back. Um, there's just no two no two ways around it. I mean, I have normal, healthy bowel movements. Um, it's you know, aside from the you know having to go to the infusion clinic every eight weeks, 
um, that it's otherwise normal. Uh, you know, you wouldn't know that I have any difficulty or any trouble other than, you know, if I told you. So. Well, you, uh, you're creating some space, I think, for people here that might not realize that's what's going on for them. I mean, one of the things that we don't talk about, we don't talk about poop. <laughs> and um, I know that in my family, there have been members of my family that they've gone so long with that experience of sitting on the toilet that, uh, you know, they didn't realize that that was abnormal. They didn't realize that, that was a problem and didn't then talk to anyone else in the family or doctor about it. So I think that I guess I want to say thank you, Ryan, because you're creating space for people right now that are going to hear that and go, wait a second, that's me. And and that's remarkable. And I know that everybody else has their stories. 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. The prospect that now you're, uh, now, now you're functioning. Um, I mean, you were trying to function before, but now you are, yeah. you know, you're a dad. Um, you're a husband, and you've got all these things going on, and uh, you've got you got things that you need to do in life. The prospect that this could change for you uh, really is an unwinding and reversal, potentially. Maybe it's you know that one in ten. Maybe you're fine, but that potential of doing that, and that's pretty scary for you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday I kind of spent a, a fair amount of time on various social media, including Facebook, and uh, you know, and I it, it is that you know I actually had. Uh, um, student-led conferences last night and my mom came along uh to to visit with uh, and see how my kids are doing and um you know she asked me after she's like are, are you okay and i'm like i'll talk to you later after i got the kids home and in bed and all that other stuff I, I called her she called me on the phone and we had a chat and i told her about all this stuff and it was it is it's incredibly it's frightening i mean i remember what life was like um and I think the the scarier part of it is is you know if if I'm that one in ten yeah like I acknowledge and I've been as forthcoming as I can be with the people that I've talked to that you know this is uh, realistically this is an outside chance that this is going to actually affect me I might if they implement the policy and I get switched over to a biosimilar there's every possibility that it, you know it won't affect me at all but. I remember what life was like, and um, you know, I'm not going to say that it was hell, but it wasn't far off. Uh, and you know, I had practically zero quality of life. I couldn't go anywhere with my kids. I couldn't, um, you know, it was tough to go to work. It was all of these, all of these things, and I just. You know, that plus the possibility of then not being able to either go back on Remicade, which did work because of that. Um, I don't remember if Dr. Benatoni or not, if he said anything about the fact that the body can then no longer be receptive to Remicade after you go off of it. Um, and the possibility that that could lead to surgery and, you know, all the risks associated associated with that. Uh, it, it's I'm, like I can't even begin to articulate well enough how scared I am. Yeah. So um, this is, uh, is this one of those things that it could affect your kids, yeah? There is a genetic component, yes, as far as I'm aware, anyway. So when you think about your kids, what do they make you think of? Well, for me right now, the most pressing thing in my mind is that they might lose their dad. Um, you know, and I mean, there's there's varying degrees of loss, right? I mean, that's up to and including death, but the truth of the matter is is that in the meantime, um, you know, there's there's kind of a, in the meantime, it's really just going to be, you know, dad's not able to do anything and dad's in the bathroom again and dad's doubled over on the couch in pain, you know, and not able to actually be a dad. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing on my mind um, in terms of their long term, you know, what, how it may affect them long term in their own personal lives and their own bodies. Um, 
I think honestly the, the kids are still a little too young for me to have thought about that far ahead but yeah, it's certainly a concern yeah what are you asking everyone to do Ryan because on your Facebook post you had said you know to reach out you know to MLAs what do you, what do you think people need to do just to get the conversation moving uh, in the right direction so uh, yeah, I mean, realistically, you can go and uh, and the the, gov- the government website has you know great resources for looking up your MLA. Send them a message to say, hey, listen, you know, I think this is a conversation. You know, this um, decision should be best left to patients and doctors. Um, and there's also a resource uh, which, if you like, I can send you the link to, which is from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, or I believe it's the Foundation of Canada, and they actually have a form letter where you can basically just go type in uh, your, you know, your name and your email and, and your postal code, which will automatically look up your MLA, uh, and it will automatically email your MLA, Premier Kenny, and Health Minister Shandro, uh, all with the same email, uh, basically just saying, you know, please kind of leave this, leave this alone. Yeah, send it and, to me, and, and I'll send it up. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's kind of what I'm asking everybody to do. I mean, we're, we live in a, in a democracy, and, and this is probably one of the best ways. You know, we, we have a voice, and this is probably the best way that we can exercise that. So, Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you. Ryan Jacobs, that is biosimilar uh, pharmaceuticals in real life in our province right there. I'm Shane Hewitt sitting in for Jalen Nye.